That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Everybody, welcome to Bat Forest Radio, Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. And tonight we celebrate our hundredth episode. And I can't freaking believe it, man. Let me get the panel out of the way. I got Grandpa Batman over in Texas. Oh, hello. Got Robin Cross up in Canada. Oh yeah. Got Bat Force Tom over in California. Oh, I can't wait to get some in and out. You got the video on, nice boy. <laughs> I, like how, <laughs> I like how Gramps introduces himself when we have Tasia on with "I'm back, bitches," <laughs> and then we're, it, we're on just us. Like, good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'd have a little, a little bit to drink. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe we did a hundredth episodes. Holy yeah, cow! A hundred episodes and still nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> I think the show has the most Batman industry, yes, with the most personal encounter and dynamic with, with the interviews in the, the episode. Well, it seems to be the most relevant and have, like you like to say, its finger on the pulse. Because, like, we were in, kind of inspired by some other people that were doing podcasts, but they quit talking about Batman. They quit, so bro. we had yeah. nothing to really go to, so... We kind of started this, you know, on our own because one, we like talking to each other. And we thought reading the books together and stuff like that helped us kind of grasp the stories a little bit more. And everyone's got their own perception on what this means and what this means, or sees things differently. And then, so the podcast kind of grew out of that. Also, a lot of our chats, like when we used to just banter on posts, uh, people would comment, "Oh, you, you guys need to record this, and make it a podcast. Be careful what you wish for." <laughs> yeah. So here we are, 100 episodes later. Batman is. Like the mo- probably the most prolific fictional character in history with en- endless stories. And we, we, we pride ourselves on covering comic books, the old comic books, the new comic books, the movies, the video games, the animation, everything. We've had industry guests from all of those sectors of the media put out for Batman so far. And with, and with a lot more coming, like lined out the door. <laughs> and um, I, I, like I said, I, want, I, I wanted it to be like a clubhouse. I wanted to be like a Batman clubhouse. It's fun. The whole point was it to be fun because we're all from the old school where kids would hang out after school and talk about comics and who would win in a fight in the comics and and all that shit. Not like you know memes on fucking Twitter and shit like that. This is you know like it was so much fun to get with your friends and talk about all this shit. So you know that was yeah. one of the visions I think we had for the show. And, uh, I was about to say I, I used I used to just uh, make memes after school and post them everywhere. <laughs> Before there was the internet, you had the hallway, so I would just put memes up on the hallway. <laughs> yeah, paint them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time someone like splatters on the wall, it's a like and shit. Yeah. And, wow. I, I think I think we've been pretty successful considering um, we haven't been around too long and. We already have uh, Paul Dini making fun of one of our members in an episode. So, I mean, we could have stopped right there. And I, I said it would have been a, a home run. So yeah. the fact that we keep going and we keep stumbling ass first and the crazy stuff uh, almost every month. It's pretty nuts, man. 
And uh, uh, pre- big thank that's you. That's probably one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah the, the Paul Dini episodes. And then, another thing, too, we're best friends with uh, Scott Snyder. I mean, we're best friends Especially. with Scott <laughs> Snyder. He and, he and I share one of those necklaces that break in two, and it says yeah. best on one side and friends on the other, and it's like heart-shaped. Does Capullo know about that? No, he does not. You would be pissed. I know know we joke, but the fact is is that Scott Snyder has gone out of his way to think about us when he's not talking to us, and that's nuts to think about. And big thank you to Scott Snyder, and big thank you to DC Comics, who we work with now. That's been an honor and a privilege, and we're really excited to get comic book review episodes the Bat Force stack and Commissioner Gordon's office. We get the comic DC comic book review episodes out before anyone. So all the Bat comics in general, just yeah, we we have them. We have episode ready to go. Midnight of that day when you're going to get your books. So that's pretty cool too. Mm. And uh, and to, to everyone else from DC that's been on the show uh, multiple times, uh, mm. David Finch, Jason Faber, Tom King. Everybody that the keeps Meredith Finch, the, yeah, yeah Meredith the, as well. The, the Trunkler, that big thank you to the Trunkler for making Can't the time. And, oh, and what a, he comes on a little bit less often than Scott Snyder. Well, I mean, he's he's a big get, so you can't always get him. Trunken Wolf boy, <laughs> Trunken Wolf. I, I was hoping we could get him for episode one hundred, but well, maybe two hundred. Yeah, he had to go smack some Amazons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's go, always good to always good to shoot for the stars. Really? Uh, because you'll you'll end up in the clouds. So that's what I always say. Yeah. Uh, aim for the stars, and you wind up in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun learning experience these first hundred episodes too. And one thing is, it's fun because it, it doesn't get old or boring to me anyway. Because um, there's always so much shit going on, and having yeah. a show, you're always at the heart of things or in the center of the storm of what's going on. We have it, a pretty loyal following, which we really appreciate. That's you know? weird. Is is when people start using lingo. In yeah. the comments and start like uh, referencing episodes or or events that have happened, and, you know, specifically the language that we use on the show. Yeah, that is really funny and weird to see out in the real world. There's um, we've been talking and thinking a lot about YouTube and what we want to do with it. But I always said to the guys how we value quality over everything, yeah. and what I mean by that is audio quality. And and you really can't get that on YouTube unless you're all in the same room. And the thing about a podcast, you know, so many people love is the fact that that's how accessible it is i know people who listen to us at work at the gym on the toilet you know it's I was like about to say fucking, yep. uh, you know, everywhere. in the office i mean on we'll, the throne. so it sounds funny but the fact that we're with people during their their work day or their personal day within their lives and their most intimate moments on the toilet <laughs> yeah or when they you know it might be uh intimate with your wife but you got your wireless earphones in because you want to know or your husband things about. <laughs> or your cabana boy <laughs> so we definitely have big plans for bat force radio in 2018 and yeah 100th episodes i don't even know if i've ever eaten 100 in and out double doubles in my life so it's a big number i can't believe we still talk to each other <laughs> <laughs> some of us don't <laughs> any memorable moments other memorable moments so far with the first 100th episode um uh, definitely definitely Paldini. Baldini for sure. That's uh, that was another cool thing though. We had Tom on the show for the first time uh, right before Rebirth happened. So at that point, we we knew what the creative teams were going to be on each book, but we didn't know yet what was coming. And uh, being able to talk with Tom and like he was picking our brains about you know asking questions like, well, what what C or D list villains would you like to see incorporated into some of these stories? And then to see some of that uh, 
actually happened yeah. uh, after after his run started, but it was fun. Well, this, I think we inspired All Star Batman because um, we reviewed the Bloom issue, Mister Bloom issue, when um, and I, I think Scott Snyder tuned in, and in that issue we were talking about how we wanted him to see, we wanted to see how he would handle each rogue or specific rogues, and it would be cool. We wanted to see took- him do Mister Freeze. Yeah, and we just named a bunch ventriloquist, and then ventriloquist, and then and then we said we appeared. wanted to see Batman riding on a dinosaur, <laughs> and which we we got that in metal. I remember when we mentioned ventriloquist, and then a couple issues down the road, he popped up just randomly in one of the in the super heavy series. And, yeah, and was... prior to that, uh, we had had the female ventriloquist, which was also Scott. Yeah, so it was cool to see it go back and the creepy freeze. Yeah. Um. I think, like I said earlier, one of my uh, most memorable moments might have been when everyone was giving Trunkless shit for asking about the toasted buns at In-N-Out back in the day. <laughs> that was really good. Like, you got the meat, you got the cheese, but were they toasted buns? Tom was taking us through how they make the, the burgers, and someone, double, double. someone suggested that we go, we interview them on a, in a, on a tour with a Bad Force polo shirt. And they're going to be like, so who are you guys exactly? Like, oh, we're, we're Batman fans, but... uh. You know, we like food, too, so... <laughs> Tom, why, why are you guys here again? Tom, come with a, a clipboard. <laughs> yeah. as, as they're giving me a tour of the back. You're not supposed to really uh, eat while you're on the tour? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, um, just, you know, just keep going. We really appreciate everyone tuning in. Especially the, first, the 120 people that listened before we even post that we've put up the episode. That's crazy. Yeah. Reach out to us, man. We got an email. Um, each of us have our own account on Instagram. You know where to find us. So if you're one of those 100 to 150 people that are constantly checking us out the minute we go up, we want to hear from you guys and you know just hear your insights, what you guys love. Maybe something. We you have hate. a question too, like because Wednesday morning when we wake up, there's already like a hundred something listens on the review episodes. Why are you listening to the review episode when you don't have your comics yet? <laughs> that's, that's what yeah, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, this is spoiler heavy episode, man. But well, uh, it's actually my mom in my little hometown. She's real proud of the podcast, so she tells everybody in the <laughs> little, little, little Oklahoma town, and so they they listen to it. They all pile into the the local uh, junior high school uh, auditorium and they put it on speaker. <laughs> Great grandma Batman doing good work for us yeah. out there. <laughs> nice big old listening party. Batman podcast with no limits. Because when I say we have no limits, we have no limits. We're not limited to anything. We're independent. Well, we cover like, everything. Sort of like, you know, like we're we're not likely to talk about pornography or religion, but I guess it's not really off the table. <laughs> well, then you must not have been on an episode with the <laughs> Trunkler there. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about religious pornography? <laughs> this is Andy Kubert. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hi there, everybody. This is Tim Sale. Uh, you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Greg Capullo, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. <laughs> this is Paul Dini, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. That sounded like a bad Mark Hamill impression. Well, it did, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we're in Commissioner Gordon's office tonight, and we're covering the stack of new comics hitting for the date of... Day November 22nd. Oh, yeah, this is also the Thanksgiving episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, or Thanksgiving Eve. Everybody's going to get all fat and happy. I love well, Thanksgiving, let's not... man. What's, everybody, what's everybody's favorite dish for Thanksgiving? Mine's mashed potatoes. I fucking... With gravy. Oh, oh yeah. I love mashed uh, see, potatoes. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't spoil my mashed potatoes with gravy. Oh, my gosh. What? Listen, to the, listen to the Canadian. You just... He puts maple <laughs> he, syrup on it, dude. Yeah, he's got syrup. <laughs> he's got syrup. <laughs> 
And he's got plenty of gravy in his beard, so he just well, said, the, the, <laughs> got, got, got like a, a gravy bowl in his beard. You weren't yeah. supposed to tell anyone about that. Do you guys eat we call it down here stuffing. Do you do you guys have stuffing? Dressing, some people say. Dressing, stuffing, stuffing dressing. dressing. Yeah, Robin, yours was like a month ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Our, our Thanksgiving isn't the same time as yours. Oh, yeah. yeah that's we, true. we do. Yeah, we do it a little ahead of the game. What was so, what is what does it celebrate exactly? Like, what is the what is the uh, holiday that you're celebrating? That Trump's uh, not their leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just pre preemptively celebrating that years because ago. here in America uh, we celebrate. Um, the um, genocide the massacre of in- India. Exactly. Yeah, the genocide of of a, of a people of uh, my ancestors. Who, thanks. <laughs> who we who we took the land from. So I mean, we 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 like to celebrate that. What do you guys do? I think we basically, for the most part, we just do it because you guys do it, and <laughs> fuck you, you're not better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Watch us do this and not die from fucking diabetes twenty years before. They're like, okay, yeah, hold my beer. Let's do our own and do it before it, yours. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was it was always funny because um, when I was at school, we had a group of friends in college, and there was like four or five of them who were Canadian, and they had their own Canadian Thanksgiving, and they would never invite anybody else except for the four or five <laughs> of them. So we always used to think that it was like super exclusive and like, what the fuck? These assholes are having their own Thanksgiving. And it was so funny because like they were like, nope, fuck you guys. It's just the Canadians that are invited. So it was pretty funny. Always seeing that. Tom, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Stuffing for sure, man. Yeah, like Easily. St- you put gravy on it? Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I, you know, the thing about the gravy you put is sprinkles like, goes, on it. What about sprinkles? It goes on everything. You, you put you put the plate together, right? You got your turkey, you got your ham. You got your mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, your stuffing, mashed, you know, and then you just fucking pour gravy all over your gut, the whole plate, just like a nice, you know, you don't even want to see anything under the gravy. No. It's liquid meat goes with everything. <laughs> so at, do they do like Thanksgiving at your work? Like, you know, kind of people yeah. pull together and do some. Yeah, we had ours last Thursday and, you know, we, we chipped in like 10 bucks or whatever and uh, they give us the email that lunch is ready we served and i was kind of on the phone and i was kind of late to the to the meeting so everyone's already got their plates and they're all in the break room eating so i get my plate and i i get ham i like ham more than turkey turkey's a little dry but i got some ham and i got some turkey and i got some mashed potatoes and i got some stuffing or dressing or whatever and then there's like this what i think is like the dark gravy to put on there so i i just pile it on oh, you know no. i i pile it on just you know just like what you do with with gravy you just drown it on the whole plate <laughs> and then I, I start looking at it and I go no that's a little darker color than gravy oh no and then i smell it and i'm like oh shit it's barbecue sauce oh shit <laughs> like like a true texan boy oh, shit so i literally had barbecue sauce on my dressing and oh. let me tell you that was interesting no, you can put barbecue <laughs> you sauce ate in it. anything boy I did eat it. I'm not going to waste it. <laughs> for kids uh, in other countries that don't have any barbecue sauce. <laughs> but I was just like, why is there barbecue sauce instead of gravy here yeah. after the fact? But I guess where they got the where they got the turkey and the ham, they got from a barbecue place, and they just thought, uh, okay, well, people want this for their meat. Anyway, that makes sense. And why do they have water where the sweet tea is supposed to be? <laughs> that is a good question. All right, so we got 
the stack, the DC comic book stack. Let's go through the notable books tonight. Let's start off with um, Doomsday Clock, issue one. Okay, so Doomsday Clock, number one, by Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. Highly, highly anticipated book. Has to do with the Watchmen being integrated in the DC universe. Or the DC universe being integrated in the Watchmen universe, or who the fuck knows. But, alright, issue one. Open it up, thoughts? Uh, the first it, thing a, you see is, you know, the clock, obviously, with the Superman logo at high noon so you know it's going to be you know centered around superman and the watchman it's almost like the equivalent of how metal is batman centric to me this is like okay this is going to be like the superman centric arc that's yeah it's interesting to see how they're going to kind of roll it in together because uh, i'll be honest when i first kind of heard about integrating it was kind of heavy on the heels of a lot of crossovers with uh, just a lot of crossovers happening. Like there's, you know, there's always crossovers here and there that are kind of flying under the radar and that on that great. But this one was one that um, everyone was like, holy shit, because of uh, the way it came out in the button, which uh, was initially the introduction to the tease of this from uh, Fabric Druitt. Who wrote that one? Was it also John's? Uh, no, that was uh, Tom, uh, Tom King wrote the Batman issues of the button, and, and so, Joshua Williamson wrote the Flash issues. And actually, taking it back, it was actually Rebirth, right? The Rebirth one-shot special by Gary Frank yeah. and uh, Jeff Johns that had this at the very end. So um, that was huge because the way this all kind of got started was at some point, Jeff Johns decides that he wants to do Rebirth at DC Comics. And that alone is a big endeavor as far as kind of looking at the new 52 and figuring out how, okay, the new 52 was really successful and it brought a lot of people back to reading comics. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of fucked over a lot of um, timelines. It kind of brought into question continuity. Uh, it kind of erased certain parts of characters and introduced other parts. And I think Jeff John's always having great understanding of where fans are. He was like, there's things that could be better. Like, what can we do to bring this back to greatness? And um, he decides that they wanted to rebirth. And so he pitches it and he talks about it and he brings all these um, artists and writers in to kind of tell them what's going on. And he tells them what their part's going to be to play in it. And we all think that, OK, rebirth, it's just going to be like a return to form or it's going to be like New 52's over. You know what's going to go on um, the rebirth special so it wouldn't get spoiled. And it wasn't spoiled for me. I don't know about you guys, but I remember uh, reading it and flipping to the last page being like, holy shit. And uh, seeing Batman holding on to um, Comedian's button from Watchmen. That, I remember thinking like, fuck, how are they going to do this? Like, you know, I don't understand how this is going to work. Who knows how this is going to happen? And then slowly with the button, you kind of get the sense that uh, the New 52 was all because of a certain character uh, from the Watchmen universe that they're not sure of. And parts of the New 52 were created or happened because of an influence. And then you realize... If you go back and read Watchmen, uh, at the end of Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan, well, he first goes into kind of his own uh, self-exile, and then he comes back when he figures out what Ozymandias is doing, and then and then he leaves again. And when he leaves, I think he's talking about um, going to like visit new galaxies or new universes and to create life somewhere else. So long story short, it kind of gives you the understanding that perhaps the DC universe was born of dr manhattan's influence and uh it kind of alludes to that in the button specifically um with reverse flash seeing what he says is the face of god and also owl man at the end of rebirth being disintegrated very similar to how dr manhattan did with other characters but holy shit man i this first issue like made me realize nah man this is cool this is gonna be good we're fine jeff johns yeah, has, he's never let us down and after this first issue i was like okay cool this is gonna be cool man it's gonna be an awesome ride and i am really excited to see where this goes 
specifically yeah. with um, a couple of questions that are raised. And also, yeah, the Superman thing, like it's still not clear necessarily how he's going to tie into it, but obviously he does. It, it kind of, uh, I mean, a lot of things plot wise, but it kind of picks up a little bit. Does it say specifically timeline as far as where Watchmen ended and how this picks up? This is just uh, set a um, few years after the end of Watchmen because, you know, obviously they know the plan and what happened at the end of Watchmen as far as, you know, all the secrets that were revealed and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah they don't so specifically Jeff, uh, say. Yeah, it's it's kind of vague on how much time had gone by, but uh, well, as far as it, I mean, Jeff, is, uh, Jeff is going to give us 12 months of, uh, of taking us through this story. So issue damn. one is really just setting up the scene. So what was really interesting is with issue one, you see all of the fallout of Adrian Veet's uh, plan from the Watchmen, uh, Osmondia. The first page kind of starts off very similar to the first page of Watchmen, where, you know, it starts off, you're reading Rorschach's journal. And Watchmen started in October of 1985. And this one gives us a clue because it says November 22nd, 1992. It comes out on November 22nd. So I guess the story's about six or seven years after the original Watchmen. It's November 92, right? That's what it yeah, shows on the first poll. Uh, That's awesome. I guess because, I missed uh, uh, year then. That was right around when uh, the Guns N' Roses Metallica co-headlining tour was rolling through the country. So very, <laughs> very cool. What's funny is that I think one of the reasons why Jeff Johns decided to write this is that as you start reading this first issue, you can see how he brilliantly ties in current modern events and how he can put them in a comic. He kind of gets his message across, you know, because he he starts talking about, you know, Rorschach is narrating the dialogue at first and he's talking about, you know, the, the undeplorable scream to hear themselves talking about liberals and they've got a person holding up a sign that says, make America safe again. So he's directly talking about, you know, like the Trump supporters and then You've got another dialogue where he's talking about while the totalitarians stand their ground, covering their eyes, preaching for a return to rose-colored republic, definitely talking about the right-wing people. And Rorschach kind of separates himself from both groups, and he's kind of like, he's always seen himself as an outsider, so he's kind of judging both sides of the issue here on this. That's an interesting part just about the fact that Rorschach is talking about the situation at all because in Watchmen, Rorschach died. Yeah, exactly. That's why when he comes on and they show him, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Is this like, did something happen? Is is this a flash time stream thing or what? who is this? Because it's not Rorschach, you know? Yeah, and they kind of explain that. Kind of. We'll get to that later, but I kind of, you know, just like what Robin said, Rorschach died or did he or is that somehow Dr. Manhattan has something to do with this too, because this goes ties into rebirth. Everything, everything centers around rebirth, and I think that's kind of a message of this book, also. Yeah, and whoever we think this Rorschach person is, if it is him or not, is breaking uh, who out of jail right now? The mime and the uh... and his wife. And uh, so they ask him like, "What's going on?" And he tells them um, he basically has to kind of threaten them to work with him because. He uh, he doesn't say who, but his bo- whoever he's working with um, has their child, and he says if he basically says if you work with me, you'll see your kid again. Right. Yeah. And so you know, using that threat is is how he convinces. And really, it's um, it's just uh, it's not even the mime that he wants. It's uh, yeah, she, it's her. She, she yeah, she just won't leave without him. Because yeah. you know, at the end of Watchmen, Marionette o- Ozymandias 
plan was to have basically to bring peace and unity and stuff like that, right? So through the yeah, great conspiracy and lie, the world leaders united to kind of you know create world peace. Well, now that everyone knows that that was a lie, everything's come unhinged. So they're on the brink of nuclear war. And yeah. I'm uh, from what we've seen so far, it seems like they might be sticking with the movie sort of retcon of the story as opposed to the original comics version. It's in the comic, Osmondias used that giant, you know, Squid alien monster? looking monster. Yeah. Uh, so basically his plan was to fake an alien invasion to unite the countries against a common enemy. Whereas in the movie they they kind of eliminated that and just focused on uh, on Adrian uh, pinning it, th- these bad things happening on Doctor Manhattan and uh, u- uniting the countries against Doctor Manhattan. Right. So it's it's a kind of taken out of the the Watchmen movie. Uh, who directed that movie? Mark? That was Mister Zack Snyder. Who is that? <laughs> Young kid with a big vision. He's going places. Yeah. Art of gold. But... Yeah. <laughs> Little Zack Snyder, twenty-four years old. What I loved, what I loved is where you know, you know, you've got the talking heads talking about certain events, and they're talking about North Korea is now capable of reaching as far as inland as Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about yeah. About about Gramps. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, Gramps. oh shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you've got the next guy, and he's like, we're still waiting on statement from the president. And there's a picture of golf clubs in the background. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think Jeff Johns likes uh, Trump too much. Uh. I no, <laughs> I read a spoiler website about this. I'm no, yeah, and it it was actually pretty interesting because you know the Watchmen characters are kind of based on golden age characters, right? They're kind of based on you know these these characters that um I forgot who the publisher was, but basically DC kind of bought them. These new characters, Mime and Marianne, guess who they're based on? Punch and Julie. Huh. Huh. Do you remember them from uh, Tom King, I Am Suicide Run? That's who they're based on. And really? I was just, yeah. That's uh, um, an, another thing, uh, j- talking about what uh, the characters were based on. I, I want to see where they go to with the characters who came from the original Watchmen series. Because uh, if they're using more of the story from the movies, another difference from the original comics to the movies was uh, really turning up the powers and abilities from the way they actually were in the comics. You know, they, they were really kind of more superheroed up in the movie. Whereas opposed in the, in the comics, it's just like, they're just du- the dudes on the street. Yeah. Just yeah, trying to get by, like, super gritty. Like, they have no powers. They're just your average day person that's putting themselves at risk. Um, I also, did you guys pick up, like, that Rorschach might have, like, a, an accent? That he might, English might not be his first language? Yeah, from he's... the way he's saying things. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to think that there's two Rorschachs. Well, yeah, the, yeah he, and, he says he's not. Well, he says he's Rorschach. He's nope, I'm Rorschach. But everybody else around him says it's not him. Yes, uh, and, th- and three Jokers, two Rorschachs, the and scene a where <laughs> when when Marionette is asking, you know, who he actually is, because she, you know, she believes Rorschach to be dead. He takes off his glove and shows her his hand. And he has brown skin. Yeah, brown skin. Yeah. So uh, clear, clearly, it's LeBron James. I knew it. So. <laughs> well, she, <laughs> why not? You know, comics are big right now. So OJ Simpson, maybe. Yeah. That's a, but yeah, while he's out, the, the glove, his glove did fit. <laughs> while he's, to rub it. <laughs> but but then while he's walking down the alley, you know, there's the the Rorschach journal narration. 
and it's in like normal, you know, Rorschach voice. Yeah. How he would write. Dude, I wa- who wants to watch Watchmen again now after reading this? I, I watched yeah, half of it after, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I think another thing too that's that's creepy is at one point um they're going down to the sewers and they're obviously on their way to uh, Night Owl's the back entrance of Night Owl's um, um lair, and they're asking a marionette and well marionette asks them where are we going? What's the mission? What are we doing? And he says, "Find God. We have to find God." And it's like, what the fuck, right? But then you stop and you re- like after the end of the issue, obviously like spoilers, but you know you don't know you don't really know. You're kind of just trying to take everything in when you're reading it. But then once you see how it's kind of getting to where it's getting to, um, Rorschach takes them and they go into Night Owl's lair and they think you you think you're going to see Night Owl 2.0, but it's actually Osmond Dice. <clears throat> and um, I got like a bad taste in my mouth, I'm like this fucker again. Mm. Like when you see him pop out, I'm like, oh, this fucking asshole. Uh, and, I, I love that first panel showing. Showing Night Owl's lair, though, as soon as they walk in, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know exactly what you're looking at. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, so you think because, you know, the original Rorschach would team up with Night Owl. I'm like, oh, they're teaming up again. Right. But but then, you 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 know, turns it on its ear and it's actually the bad guy from the first one. And um, that raises even more questions as to why if this guy wants to be Rorschach and he, you know, obviously um, wants to follow in the footsteps or whatever. He wouldn't be teaming up with a guy who fucking killed him in the last one, right? Yeah. Or or led to his yeah, death, uh, rather. Yeah, yeah, because Rorschach died because he uh, he wasn't letting Doctor Manhattan keep him from exposing Adrian's plan. Yeah, so he was he was a loose end that they had to get rid of. And um, what I, what then like you know so you, you kind of hear the they don't tell you everything as far as the plan, but he tells you a little bit. And what's interesting is what he is giving up to Marionette and mine because. What's uh, what Osmond Dias is famous for is he's like a tactical genius and he's like a he never lets and he never lets you know anything without knowing how you knowing will influence the plan. So the only reason that he would tell the other Watchmen his story or what was going on is because he knew that they wouldn't stop him at the end of it. And so it's interesting that he's bringing these people now into his plan because it's like, well, where is this going to go and what's going to happen with these people if he's telling them that? Because this guy already knows ten steps ahead of what's going to happen next. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's the smartest man in the world. Yeah. Well, he's kind of like their Lex Luthor in a way. Yeah. Know? So, they so a think... manipulator. Except, uh, except a, a little more altruist. <laughs> he's uh, he he does things for kind of good reasons. Where Lex just you know well, and, and he doesn't like sometimes uh, Lex has been okay, but you know for the most part Lex just kind of wants to get paid. He was president. Did yep. does he give out a? Cherry Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I used to think like how the fuck did, you know when Lex Luthor was president whatever I used to think like how the fuck would in the comics how could I mean I know it's fake but how could they even how would they elect Lex Luthor and now we see what we got and I'm like oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, remember when Joker was running, uh, was running for office too. Dude, my yeah, favorite part go- of that storyline is they still reference it sometimes in comics, yeah. and it still gets said that they still don't know how he got on the ballot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's there's one line in like I don't know page three or four that it was really profound to me, and I don't I, I like this line that Jeff Jones wrote. He said, "We shattered the American dream. This is the American nightmare." And it's talking about we had this opportunity or actually the world had this opportunity at the end of the Watchmen to kind of reset itself and begin again. And now that the very beginning of this book shows how people are pissed off and rioting and they're holding up signs that says the end is here. 
you know, because Rorschach had a sign in, in the original Watchmen that said the end is near or something like that. And this nice. guy's saying the end is here. So people yeah. are like, it shows that um, people have had enough or Shit. they're mad. You know, the, the thing about the first one, spoilers, if you haven't read the original Watchmen, is that is that uh, that guy with the sign would, would show up in multiple panels kind of at the beginning of the book. And then later on, it's revealed that he was Rorschach the entire time out of out of costume. So it actually might might suit to go back and see who that dude who's holding up that sign. Do you have any <laughs> resemblance to uh, that hand that gets revealed? But anyhow, um, yeah. So what, what's cool is that you kind of get a sense of, all right, here's this Watchmen universe coming back. They're starting to allude to this scheme or this plan that he's got now again. And uh, the whole thing is driven by their need to find God, as Rorschach says. So then, then kind of near the end, you see, you don't know, like, is this in the Watchmen universe? Is this in our universe? Is this in, in uh, on Earth Zero in the DC universe? But you see Clark Kent, and he's uh, uh, he's woken up by a nightmare, and Lois is, like, shaking him. He's like, Clark, you were shaking the whole room. Like, what happened? And uh, he was seeing, he was having this nightmare of the night that his parents died in an accident, Martha Kent and uh, Jonathan Kent. And he's telling Lois about it, and she's like, I can't remember the last time you had a nightmare. And then Clark says, I've never, I've never had a nightmare. This is the first time I've ever had a nightmare. And then outside of the windowsill, you see kind of a blue glare kind of coming into the room, um, which I think is kind of alludes to maybe a little bit of like Dr. Manhattan influence. Um, but mm-hmm. what, what the thing, what's cool is that like, um, or the question really is, okay, Superman's, Superman obviously has something to do with this, huge part of it. More importantly, um, are they trying to reference Superman or Dr. Manhattan when Rorschach says we're trying to find God? Because uh, in the button, reverse flash, when he right before he dies, when he gets fried, he says, I saw God, I saw God. And it's pretty much Dr. Manhattan that he's referring to. Now, obviously, something's going to happen, you know, in this story with with uh, Doctor Manhattan and uh, Superman. It's interesting to see where it might go. And uh, also, uh, some tie into uh, to Adrian's plan in this in this story is he reveals that he has, I think, it's cancer, right? That, yeah, he does exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, Tom- the the way he refers to it, uh, you know, to the way it's attacking him is it sounds like he has brain cancer. Yeah, he starts like gritting his teeth and having headaches and stuff. Tom, I got another theory, mm. and this just hit me <clears throat> because, like you said, Rorschach says we got to find God, and the very last panel with, you know, Ozimotus, he says that is our mission for all of us. We need to find John, and then it goes to the Superman story. I thought he meant we need to find Jeff Jones. All right, go ahead. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, we need to find Jonathan Kent. You mean John is in uh, the Superboy? No, was in Clark. Kent's father. Hmm. Rather than yeah. Dr. Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe they'll dig up his corpse like in Justice League. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll probably just be talking on the top of a mountain in the cold, like in Man of Steel. That, re- yeah. that reminds me of that Simpsons episode, the Halloween episode where, the, you know, it's Willie digging. And he's like, oh my God, it's Groundskeeper Willie. He's like, no, that's me, brother. I'm Gravedigger Billy. <laughs> to the uh, end of the issue if if we well okay so we're talking about this um as we got an advanced copy from dc comics uh name drop and um at the end of this issue we kind of get i'm assuming these are the covers for the next one two three four and fifth and sixth issues i think if not these are variants but it looks like uh it's almost like it's almost like an extra scene after the credits yeah oh which one are you Mm -hmm. talking about well, you get all these these news stories. The Great oh, yeah. Lie 
Did did you guys read that? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was talking about even further beyond that with the but cover. Even, so it says it shows uh, it shows a cover of Superman with Doctor Manhattan. I thought that was the, the variant for the first issue. And then there's uh, a cover yeah, of that, Lex yeah, Luthor. That, 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 that one is uh, a variant for issue one. That issue do. one, okay. So then issue two, either it's the main issue, main cover, or it's a variant. But it's Lex Luthor sitting down, and it looks like um, I'm assuming it's the hand of Osmond Dias because it's got his gauntlet right there, right, touching yeah. him. Which kind of alludes to the fact that him and Lex Luthor are going to team up for something, which is fucking crazy to think about. And then the uh, the third issue variant, I believe, is Batman reading Rorschach's journal in the <laughs> like, Batcave. Dude, need that T-shirt variant poster? That's cool, man. Batman yeah, reading that, his journal. That, oh. that Rorschach journal. That that, that is a, a T-shirt. <laughs> Damn. Oh, well, I, if think, you... I, am, I think I'm getting that shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is in previews? Yeah, yeah. I ordered it through my shop already, actually, now that I remember it. Fucking Hellboy. Yeah, it comes out real soon. No, Dude. not Hellboy. Not Hellboy. Batman. Uh, who's doing it? Is, it, <laughs> is Graffiti doing it? or is? Uh... Uh, it's Actually, it might be someone different because this one's different. It has like a collar. It's a, it's a ringer shirt, so it has like the, a black collar and black like cuffs on the arms. The best thing I love about this image is Batman's hot chocolate. Uh, to the left of him. Oh, cool. <laughs> is that, is, is oh, that pumpkin spice? <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a hot cup of just. Yeah. <laughs> of just ice. And then and then that's the fifth. I think that's the fifth. Uh, no, hang on. That was the third. That's the third cover. The fourth cover is Rorschach walking away from an explosion. Also looks badass. Mm. And the fifth one is crazy ass Joker with a compact. Is he? What is that? Night owl? What's the end? That's Night Owl, right? He's looking at a compact and putting on makeup, and uh, he's got a Batman Eagle Moss watch, um, <laughs> cuffs that I can't make out which what well, they are. But we posted one's this a skull. Ago. One of the cuffs is a skull. Yeah, but I think these are all Gary Frank, it's gorgeous, and they gorgeous all look artwork. fucking awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, no, did you guys read the little news article stories? Tell us about it, Gramps. Yeah, those are cool. Well, there's like one them. that you know, there's one called The Great Lie. It's the first page of the New York Gazette, and it talks about you know. Uh, all that went down with, you know, the conspiracy and the lie and all that stuff that kind of the people are revolting against in the beginning of the book. But then there's another small story called The Strange Case of Roger Jackson, which it's actually um, involves Rorschach and his missing journal. And that's where that cover with Batman and the missing journal kind of alludes to because it talks about how uh this guy named roger jackson gets pinned with the death of somebody rorschach's journal is missing so the fbi is looking for this uh journal this is going to be an epic story but it's not going to be hop on friendly no there's a there's a huge uh, reading there's a huge reading list that you have to get into before this actually not that big but you gotta do watchmen then you gotta do rebirth special then you gotta do the button and uh you know what i like about these uh things that gramps was just talking about was uh the morning joe's menu i did not because i was hungry and i knew if i would read it i would want breakfast food and it was about 4 p.m and that was not gonna happen for the kids they have joe's famous silver dollar pancakes sunny side eggs and toast and some sugar frosted flakes or cornflakes and milk Good old uh, Joe's. So eat at Joe's. <laughs> Remember you say that? Um, isn't isn't that where Rorschach eats at in the beginning of the? Is that what he's talking about with the syrup and the woman and the? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What do you could Rorschach? This Rorschach 
possibly be a DC character dressed up as Rorschach? Mayhaps. Batman's ahead of the game here because he's the one that's investigating it in the Batcave after he sees the button show up. And he sees what happens to uh, Flash and he experiences the effects of uh, the time the time force and all that stuff so yeah this is gonna this is gonna be speed force rather sorry jason fabic has been saying that he's heard uh jeff johns's pitch he says it's he thinks it's the best thing jeff johns is ever gonna write jeff johns is somebody who just won't say things for nothing and he says he's putting his all into this one so all right let's get the rest of the stack out of the way uh Detective Comics 969. Tom, you uh, you you blew that one out. I dipped my toe into the water. I did, yes. Oh so, shit! Oh, yeah. What happened now? Um, oh. I mean, it's just this has just been a great run. We've said it week in, over over and over again, week in and week out, how good uh, the Detective uh, Comics run is. But um, obviously, with this team, uh, whoever's not familiar with it, um, James Tynion decided to take a different uh, approach with the Detective Comics, where initially it was kind of like the flagship book for Batman. Um, he was the central figure. Uh, right now, there's a team that he's created um, to help him with the crime in Gotham and, and things that are going on. And they have a new location. Um, yeah, so there is a new team that Batman has created to uh, kind of work based out of Gotham, specifically like right smack dab in the city out of the Belfry, which uh, Tim Drake designed. Up until this point, there's been some crazy S that's been happening. Um there is a uh, Kate Kane's uh, father has tried to militarize, militarize Batman by basically taking uh, the concept of Batman and turning it into kind of like um, a rogue military operation. Kind of seeing her go back and forth with that. But more than more than anything right now is we saw as a as an effect of uh, Oz coming out of Action Comics and Superman um kind of pulling uh out of a separate dimension he pulls tim drake into it doomsday is in there and then also there's a a future version of tim drake who's become batman that is also the phantom the phantom zone that uh has now kind of escaped or did escape and was trying to kill kate kane because it's not exactly explained to you but basically kate kane apparently batwoman uh ruins the future and ruins tim drake's future so future tim drake as batman is trying to uh kill her tim drake has returned the uh current tim drake comes back he meets back up with spoiler stephanie and essentially what's happening is you're kind of seeing the fallout of what happens when batman gets a group of people together to start fighting crime like clayface is a member of the team so obviously people aren't happy because clayface has murdered people in the past and spoilers whole approach is that uh she doesn't believe what batman and the team are doing is is uh is right she feels that it's kind of taking people's rights away and it's kind of going against everything that batman stands for so she at one point tries to spoil or break up plans for that team and uh it obviously doesn't work out but this issue kind of shows the fallout from finally like the mayor gets involved and kind of um, brings it to Batman. He's like, how the hell are you supposed to get people to trust this team when it's comprised of individuals who used to be, you know, outlaws kind of thing? Really good issue. James Tynion, man, the art is even really good in this, too. But I think the story is just kind of like what's pushing it. And kind of Tim Tim Drake is kind of showing that he is more of a central figure in the DC universe than he's ever been. Super smart dude. Good issue. And it's just a continuation of what's been going on for uh, Detective Comics. So I would definitely recommend going and grabbing it. I'm sure people are already reading it and, and are all loving it. So um, a, a big thing that kind of happens is that Anarchy has uh, introduced what's called uh, the Victim Syndicate, which are individuals who have been affected by Batman's uh, fights with rogues. 
So they've kind of like mutated with having these powers. So there's a woman who has kind of like Clayface's powers. Um, there's a guy who kind of looks like Solomon Grundy, a woman who kind of looks like Scarecrow. They're kind of obviously pissed that uh, Batman having this team has some negative effects on the city. So it kind of sets up what's going to happen when they clash again. Pretty interesting. Killer Moth is in this too. So uh, Tynion has taken a page out of uh, Tom King's book with obscure uh, characters that he's putting into it. Zaz is back. It's pretty cool. Good stuff, and I would definitely highly recommend taking it. Wait, when you mean they bring in the victim syndicate, and what do you mean Anarchy brings in the victim syndicate? Because they, they were in, um, what was it, I don't know if it was Monster Man, or they were early in... It was in Detective. They were a couple of arcs back in Detective, but he brings them back. Anarchy brings so, them out of the... Yeah, Anarchy kind of, re- so they, they kind of regroup and come back. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so they're, they're still posing as a threat to kind I, of uh, the team that I, Batman has. I think the victim syndicate and the, the Dark Knight should play dodgeball. That'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Who's the other one? Nightwing, you guys said you were talking Yeah, Nightwing The New Order, issue four, is out this week as well. When issue three came out, uh, I did a real quick catch-up on uh, what had happened so far. So if you haven't uh, read those yet, then you know maybe don't listen to this part right now, because it's just going to spoil more of it for you. Okay, so where issue three had left off, uh, Nightwing had gone, well, no longer Nightwing, he's just Dick Grayson. Uh, with the absence of all superheroes. Uh, He had gone in search of his son who had been taken by the agency for manifesting superpowers. Dick escaped uh, confinement, got a tip with the help of Tim Drake where they thought they might be keeping him. So he was on his way there, but that information was sort of a decoy uh, to draw him into a trap. So he was uh, taken by surprise by Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, and it was his job to to bring Dick back in. So the two of them uh, had a fight. Dick came out on the losing end of it and was going to be taken back in by Jon Stewart. When he was rescued by uh, the rest of the old school Titans, well, pretty much the old school Titans. So it's basically a Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Wally West Flash, Lois Lane with uh, Blue Lantern Ring is now part of the part of the team where this picks up uh there are two stories that were going back and forth uh dick's son is in custody with uh kate kane so she's asking you know trying trying to be his friend coerce him into submitting to more testing and things because they're learning more about his powers and how strong they're finding out that he may very well be so what we find out in this issue is that he basically may have in his blood the ability to reverse the effects of what his father had done earlier when he wiped out superpowers, uh, 95% of superpowers from the planet. While they're studying this and finding that out, over at the Titans base where Nightwing, where Dick Grayson uh, has woken up and found he's, uh, he's been rescued by them, they eventually, he finds out, he figures out while they're you know bringing him up to speed, he figures out where they are. And figures out that they've been hiding out in Bloodhaven the whole time. While he's there with them, they're hacking into the agency's system and seeing exactly what they're finding out about Jake, who's Dick's son. And now the Titans are seeing also that Dick's son may very well have the ability to to bring them back, you know, bring bring them back to what they used to be because Starfire has no powers. Uh, Beast Boy is stuck in, you know, in the form that he was in the middle of morphing into when Dick set off the web. So they're 
all kind of in a in a pretty bad spot. Like basically, Wally still has the Speed Force, so he still has his power, but uh, the other ones are just sort of stuck as they are, uh, with the exception of Lois having her Blue Lantern ring. Kind of like when your mom used to say, "Don't make that face, or it'll get stuck that way." Exactly, and that's exactly what happened to me. Oh, that's why that's why I don't post selfies. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this issue does have uh, because this is really the reunion of Starfire and Dick because Starfire had walked out on the family uh, years ago uh, uh, after Dick set off the weapon and took away everyone's powers, and he was trying to make her. We we're finding out that you know he was trying to convince her to submit to the agency, you know, and you know, just go along with everything that he was fighting for. It made her feel the way she did back when she was imprisoned after her home world got uh, taken over. So that was why she left them and she doesn't have the same feelings for him anymore. But they finally have this moment where they, you know, get to talk all that out. And it's, it's clear that Dick still has feelings for her. But uh, she's seemingly moved on, but they both have one common goal, and that's just getting their son. But now the other Titans are also uh, extra interested in this because of the fact that he may have the ability to reverse what Dick had done, uh, eliminating all the superpowers. That is uh, about it for the events of this one. Now, one interesting part to note is this is all being, uh, all the narration that happens through the issue is being done by Jake. And uh, he's telling all these events as if they're in the past. Where we end off with the issue is they put together a plan. Uh, they find out everything they need to know to get into the facility where Jake's being held. So they all get in there and they're there to take, uh, to remove Jake. Once they get in there, you know, they have him, they think everything's good. They're about to get out of there. They are suddenly stopped by Mr. Freeze. Oh, tears. So. He's also uh, working for the agency, and he's there to stop them from, from getting away, and that's where it leaves us. Good. We got anything else for the stack? Ooh, little action comics. Oh, yeah, Anybody else read action comics? Um, sim- similar to detective comics, uh, action comics has been amazing. And uh, if anybody out there has not been pulling it, <clears throat> I would think this is probably it's the end of um, the Oz effect, but... Uh, I believe the Oz effect was a or is a four to five part issue story. And uh, it's a really cool way to jump on if you have not been reading action comics. But um, I believe it it cuts across Superman as well and uh, also influences part of Detective Comics. But um, essentially what's been happening, spoilers uh, in the Oz effect, is um, we find out that there is a character named Oz who has been kind of jumping between dimensions and influencing events in uh, this earth and um, with his foot in another reality and kind of uh, in the phantom zone. Tim Drake got pulled into there and uh, Doomsday was in there. Um, And there was also a future, like I said before, a future Tim Drake. But also on top of that, um, we find out the the person who's uh, involved with doing all that uh, is they they reveal it to be Jor-El, apparently. So Superman's father from uh, Krypton, who is believed to have been dead. So this issue picks up at the tail end of that storyline where uh, Jor-El slash Oz, if that's who he really is, 
has been doing some pretty horrific things and has had some actions that are questionable. So <clears throat> Superman is kind of like coming to terms with having to accept or challenge the fact that his birth father uh, is not a good man. And so it's kind of weighing heavy on his soul because um, he was always brought up to believe that he was sent to Earth for a reason and to be, you know, just and truthful and right. And then he realizes that his father is a horrific figure if Oz is, in fact, his father. So basically now what he's doing is he's kind of in this, the Fortress of Solitude and he looks like he's been hold, you know, hold up there for a long time trying to figure out if Oz truly is Jarrell. He's getting really frustrated. He hasn't gotten home to see uh, Lois, his uh, wife, or John, his son. And uh, <clears throat> Batman shows up and Batman kind of confronts him in the Fortress of Solitude and, and he's basically checking on him. And you see uh, Clark get super pissed off and kind of on edge. And so so Batman kind of gets worried. He's like, I'm just trying to make sure you're OK, Clark. And then um, Clark flies away, basically, because, um, you know, uh, everyone's been looking for him. So he finally flies back to Lois as uh, Perry has been up Lois's butt, like asking, where's Clark? You know, where's Clark? I need him on the story, blah, blah, blah. So Lois is trying to cover for the fact that Clark Kent is missing being superman often doing superman things and so he comes back to talk to lois and then he really and he's trying to explain to lois like i have to find out if this is really my father if my father is oz what does that mean about me and lois is trying to convince him it's like you're a good man regardless of where you might come from you know you are a good man you are a great father to your son john and you have to remember that so he has been actually working with hal jordan um because apparently the green lanterns and depending upon what sector they cover uh, the Green Lanterns have access and recordings to different events across the universe and multiverse and stuff like that. So um, Superman then gets in contact with Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan tells him Tomari was actually the Green Lantern in charge of the sector of Krypton when it exploded. So apparently there's in the database, the uh, Guardians have footage of Krypton exploding. So Superman goes and he tries to see this is in fact true. And if Jor-El is in fact Oz, then Jor-El would have had to escape Krypton when it exploded. So he's watching the footage and he sees his ship leave. But then he realizes that the footage just cuts out and uh, it's it's been um, corrupted. So he can't see anything that happens after his ship leaves. So he doesn't see Krypton explode. So he still doesn't have answers. He's like, damn, is, was it Jor-El? Did he get out? What's going on? So it's really cool imagery with him interacting, number one, first with Batman, but number two, interacting with the Green Lanterns. I think he's on Oa, I believe. And then it cuts back to him uh, going back and trying to explain to Lois that, you know, he still hasn't gotten the answers that he wants and he wants to figure out what's going on. And he believes that the only way to find out for sure is to go back in time somehow and to see if Jarrell in fact escaped from Krypton exploding. Um, so he goes to the Justice League watchtower. He finds uh, Barry Allen's cosmic treadmill and he says, well, you know, Barry uses this to kind of enter the speed force and go back in time. If Barry can do it, I can probably do it. So he hops on the cosmic treadmill and he starts, you know, running as fast as he can. And right as he breaks the time stream and he breaks into uh, the speed, you know, latches on the speed force and vanishes into the speed force that's when you hear a voice say superman don't basically like someone breaks in trying to explain that you know you shouldn't do it and it's booster gold so uh, booster gold arrives and it says he arrived a second too late uh, superman's already left for the past via the time stream now the timeline itself is in danger so very How does cool. Booster Gold arrived too late. <laughs> <laughs> really cool issue of multiple members of the DC universe interacting with Superman. The art is amazing. And uh, probably out of uh, aside from Doomsday uh, Clock, I think this was probably my favorite issue that I read this week. Like I said, it just got everybody on it. Uh, Dan Jurgens has been killing it and uh, he wrote the story. But what's his name? Rob Williams wrote the script. 
<clears throat> and Rob Williams, I believe, has been doing a lot of work with, uh, I believe he's writing Suicide Squad, I want to say. But it's just crazy to see all these writers who are crossing over to different books right now and helping each other out. And we say it all the time, but we're spoiled, man. There's so many good books. Action Comics and Detective Comics and Superman are highly, highly recommended. This issue was pretty much no different, and I'm excited to see what the hell Booster Gold has to do with all this, to be honest. Booster Gold. All right. Um, I did read The Flash, and uh, we'll just go real quick, going real quick. Flash. You're going to go what? over The Flash in a Flash? <clears throat> oh, yeah. The Flash. Uh, I'll, I'll speed through this one. But essentially, if anyone is uh, listening to this, uh, if you went out and you watched Justice League, you may be high on uh, The Flash right now like I am. So I was more than happy to read this issue because I just can't get enough of Barry Allen right now. <clears throat> long story long is a negative Flash. Um, is that what they call her? Let me see the real quick what her name is. I believe that is her name. But essentially, it's a character who is um, attached to the negative speed force, which kind of has the opposite effect of the speed force and uh she's working with slow no she's just as fast but uh she's scary looking maybe that's why but basically she was working she doesn't need friends (laughs) she was working with barry and uh, Kid Flash before, but um, they thought she was dead because of what had happened to her in, in uh, an accident. Now she's not. Just a very awesome issue. Art is great. The story's pretty cool. Joshua Williamson? I believe, yeah, mm-hmm. Joshua Williamson is writing Flash. Oh, man. I... Yeah, he's, he's been holding that down, what, since the beginning of Rebirth, I think, Yeah, right? o- over yeah and like he's been doing a, a good half. job. And I hope, uh, hope we get a nice uh, Rebirth Flash Omni by uh, Joshua Williamson because uh, he's a really good writer and he's been doing a lot of good things with the Flash. I want him to do a Batman book though because uh, if you ever read Nailbiter by Joshua Williamson you'll understand right away why I eventually want him to write a Batman story. He's the kind of guy I think who could handle any character though he's just that good of a writer. He's been doing this crazy um, indie book also called Birthright. Have you guys heard of that one? I've yeah. heard of it. Yeah. Uh, that was uh uh, crazy concept but it's basically um this young kid goes into the woods and it was and it was uh the woods in behind his backyard and he disappears and everyone assumes that his dad murdered him i think he had an older brother and then one day this like like this viking comes in and says i'm your younger brother but he's like 35 and he's this giant viking and the brother's like what are you talking about like, you're not my brother my brother was killed by my father or whatever, blah, blah, blah. How many years ago? Like 10 years ago. And then he starts and he just goes into like telling him secrets about his little brother that no one else knows. And then he realizes like, holy shit, you are my brother. Why are you a 35-year-old Viking? And it's just a crazy concept for a book. And uh, I think I got, I got through the, maybe the first arc. But it was just so much going on that I wasn't able to keep up. But it's just a crazy concept. And he, that dude's a great writer, man. So I, I did you guys see that um, Snyder is actually overseeing an event? In the Flash book coming up, uh, didn't he, I think he mentioned that a little while ago, right? Yeah, so he's got he's got an event that he's helping write in the Flash coming up, so that's be pretty cool with Joshua Williamson. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Another reason why you should probably pick up the Flash. We we've got next week uh, Batman Annual number two. Then the week after that, we're back to uh, White Knight issue three. Oh, man, just actually went through a uh, Batman Annual number two. That's the one with Catwoman and Batman, right? Uh, spoilers. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a that's a really good issue. People are gonna like that. Yeah, they're gonna cry. <laughs> that first yeah. that first opening that sure. first opening page is amazing. Dude, I, um, that no is, spoilers. I'll just all right, well, we could give a little teaser. Batman Annual number two is a Batman Catwoman story, and uh, I just want to say how much I just want to reiterate how much I love the fact that Tom King loves Catwoman this much. Like you could just tell we, the way he writes her, he loves. We someone did tweet a picture, so they spoiled it, not us. So we could talk about that. 
<laughs> you see about all the shit that's been stirring with the Talia Catwoman fight? And Tom, no. what does Tom King tweet? Something about uh, Catwoman won the fight, so come at me or yeah. something like that. And, <laughs> and, and if, if Tom King says Catwoman beat Talia, Catwoman beat Talia. So there's going to be some pissed off people out there, but... Uh, Man, you know how we love. I, I love me some Selena, man. So uh, that's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. You gotta know get some you- omnibus. Gotta get some omnibus action going on too. Oh, Omni, Omni. Speaking of Omni, shot DC Comics Batman: The Golden Age Volume Four Omnibus dropped this week. So if if you're like a ultra hardcore Batman fan and disciplined enough to read Golden Age shit, then trade waiter. Get that. <laughs> um, Batman- if you're a trade waiter too. Hey, when does when does that um, Jack Kirby? Omnibus come out the Jack Kirby one. What Jack Kirby? What like uh, just Jack Kirby? The fourth World, Fourth World. Oh, I don't know. Not... That didn't come out already. Did it? I don't know. I, I recommend that uh, Batman and Robin, Patrick Gleason and Peter Tomasi mm-hmm. uh, Omnibus. That thing. That thing's uh, massive. It is. How does that sit as far as uh, with the other ones? Like, uh, are they all level? Yeah, yeah, all level. All They're all level. All on the level. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's beautiful yeah, Omnibus. Got, yeah. You know what? That's a treat. You get so much for the buck out of that book. Like, you just flop, plop it down, and you could just read the story straight through the series yeah. straight through and it's a nice piece i hope they keep pumping out those uh omnibuses man the grumpler doesn't like the fact that you need a table he says you have to sit at a table with it he's, he's more of the single issues you know he's got those long boxes he's more of the long box boy whereas uh i i love a good omnibus i've got the uh superman oh, uh return and death of omni oh, death and return of superman omnibus uh the batman the the first Golden Age is a must. If you're going to get any of them, you got to get that first volume for sure. That's true. If we made a new modern Batman club and uh, there was like a requirement, um, I would say if there was any requirement, I would say you have to watch the Bill Finger Hulu documentary and you Batman have to read the first omnibus, Batman the Golden yeah. Age, volume one. It's like a must. Jack Kirby, Fourth World Omnibus, December 6th, $150. Oof, worth it. I got the Walter Simonson. I think it's, what is it, Orion? Specifically, yeah, it's the Walter Simonson omnibus, the Orion by Walter Simonson. So that was a little that that wet my beak for the fourth world. Got a lot of lot of Orion, uh, Dark Side, Scott Free, a lot of good stuff on there. You know what's crazy? How many creator credits they give on stuff now? Like every I, I, at the end of Justice League, they're crediting so oh many different creation of characters. Right. Cyborg created by you know Marv yeah. Wolfman and George yeah. Perez and. and it's, you forget how a lot of these guys are like you think about these characters like oh these the creators are probably dead but they're not that old you know batman's yeah. what only 75 years old so i mean think about yeah oh, like, like cyborg yeah like 80 now yeah yeah so all these other characters are much younger and you i forget that these dudes are still around still writing comics so when you see their their names credited on the end of the movie it's like damn imagine being that dude and seeing your name finally up there well, they can't just do it for one character, not others at this point. Yeah, they don't want that stuff coming up, you know, anymore. Yeah, they can't. Fucking after what happened, after, yeah. It is what it is, man. After the dirty, dirty. Any omnibuses you're uh, looking to get your hands on? Well, it's going to be a while before, but I, I want to get the Gotham City Siren omnibus, but I'm really annoyed by the fact that they named it Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens omnibus when the actual series is just called Gotham City Sirens. Uh, but that it, is gonna... it doesn't even say that on the box art, though. You sure? It, yeah, it just said. I I think I threw the picture up before. I'll I'll find the picture again and uh, I hope so. Cause I'll I throw it up. You, know, you just take a knife and carve that out. No, I, was, I, ha- I have a couple of creative <laughs> ideas to. Uh, but that's that's a you're nice gonna make one your to own have. Dust, man. You're gonna make your own dust jacket. 
<laughs> Some I, I might I might do something like that because uh, be pretty cool actually. I mean, come on, dude! Like that's that's just such a marketing ugh, thing to do, and it's like give respect to the other two characters that were way before Harley. Anyway, shout out to our boy Paul Dini who wrote a lot, if not all of it. I forgot how much <laughs> yeah. he wrote. It's Fuck Harley! Oh, uh, shout out to Paul Dini. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, and that wraps up. We we'll want to talk about food to take us on out of here. I'll get hungry. So you guys are looking most forward to the the stuffing for Thanksgiving, huh? Mm. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, huh? Are you going to put some gravy on it? <laughs> Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Uh, you could put gravy on almost anything, though, can't you? Like, can you really think yeah, of it? You apparently, think... you can do that with barbecue sauce, too. Yeah, barbecue sauce. Gramps, do you like Jack Daniel's barbecue sauce? Mm. So, so, the bottled stuff? Nah, not really. Nah. Would, would you... um? Would you ever drink a whole bottle of barbecue sauce for like five, <laughs> for like three grand, like Shoe Nice did? Whole bottle of barbecue yeah, sauce. Yeah, I'd do that shit. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'd do that for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Your hospital visit would be more expensive. Hey, Gotham dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy. All of your Batman and DC needs.